Welcome to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marian Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. Have you ever wondered why the sacrifice of Jesus was so important? Well, it harkened back to the sacrifices of the Old Testament priests that would happen really once a year, the Day of Atonement, but they would just sweep the sins under the carpet, as it were. But Jesus, one sacrifice, one act, one time, cleansed us from all unrighteousness, and I talk about that today in this episode. July 1st, 2001, I became pastor of Marion Baptist Church. The second Friday I was the pastor, I got a phone call from a former pastor. Hank, have you been bonded yet? I went, what? I'm like, bro, I'm trying to keep my head above water just being the pastor of this church. What do you mean, have I been bonded yet? He said, well, I need to get married today. And I want you to perform the ceremony. Mind you, it is 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. Circuit court closes at 4.30. And so, and in the meantime, I'm trying to figure out the process of what I need to do. And so he says, you got to go to circuit court. You got to stand in front of the circuit court clerk, H.F. Haymore at the time. You got to put your hand on the Bible, raise your hand, and you have to do all this. I said, oh, so when you want to buy? And that's when he said, I want it this afternoon. Pastor Rimmer and Miss Joyce, who's still married to this day, said, we want to get married today. We want you to do it, but we want it to be legal. To which I said, Okay. Called my mama who worked at General District Court. Mom, can you go to the circuit court and make sure they don't close before I get there? So I get there. Here's a true story. So I come back. Two weeks, Pastor, now. I haven't even preached a sermon at this point. I said, now what? (laughs) I've got this thing that says I'm bonded. Now what? And he's like, well, you, we, are you willing to marry us? Sure. What do I say? <laughs> so he came and, you know, this former pastor of this church, Pastor Remember, he's like, well, this is what you ought to do. This is what you need to say. And then just make sure you say, do you take her? Does she take you? Make sure you have that in there. Y'all, I got no idea what I said that day other than, Pastor Remmer, do you take her? <laughs> Joyce, do you take him? By the power invested in me and the state of Virginia, from 15 minutes ago, you're married. <laughs> now, you know, had I not been bonded, that would not have any, had any legal standing whatsoever. There are certain things that you have to do for things to be right. Even Jesus had to follow the same thing. God, from the very beginning, set forth a standard that Jesus had to follow. And He followed it to a T. Let's stand to reading of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 5. We're working our way through the book of Hebrews. If you're visiting, um, I, I, man, I have, you know, some of the, you get weeks, y'all, that are just tough. This was one. This is one of them weeks, man, that I just struggled with. 
from outside thing that just happened. And, and then um, I get to this passage and, and I share with a few people to pray for me because, man, I was really struggling with it. Um, but God had a plan through all of it. Hebrews chapter 5, here's what the Bible says. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weaknesses. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does for those of the other people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. Now, if you write in your Bible, and you want to put this, we'll get this in a minute, but you could underline that and say, that was God's standard for the priesthood. God set the standard of certain things that had to be for you to be a priest for His kingdom, for His work. There are certain things you had to do. That was man's job, and then it relates right to Jesus. Notice what He says. So also Christ did not exalt Himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by Him who said to Him, You are My Son, today I have begotten you. As He says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Well, there's a name you don't hear much in the Bible. By the way, I'm going to deal with that just a little bit today, very little, uh, but in another chapter... I'm going to deal fully with the order of Melchizedek and who he was and what, what role he played. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. There's that name again. Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that Jesus followed everything you had written down that he needed to follow. He followed the law. He followed the order of a priest to be perfect, to show that he was perfect. God, be with us today. Help us to love you more. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Unless, I wrote this down, unless a sacrifice was offered by the right person at the right place, in the right way, it would not be accepted by God. Now think about what I just said. Unless a sacrifice was offered by the right person, in the right place, in the right way, it would not be accepted by God. Now hold on to that thought. Think about Jesus because we're first going to deal with just what man was about. So let's look at the understanding of the priesthood of man or man's priesthood. Four truths that we find in these first uh, four or five verses here. Four verses about the priesthood for men. Number one, a high priest was chosen from men to minister to men. Now that's important to get. It wasn't somebody else. It, it, it could not be an angel that came forward. It could not be anybody that he was just a man. Now there are some things he had to be of the right lineage, the right tribe. But he was just a man chosen out from among men. And here was his major focus of his ministry, the altar. 
to offer sacrifices and gifts. The Bible says this. He acted on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices. He was to bring, as those brought um, to the to the priests, and he was that um, intercessor there, and he would take them to the altars to offer them either as gifts or as sacrifices on behalf to take these two parties that were warring and make sure they can come together. Secondly, he made these sacrifices for other sinners. And I really said that because this, the tied in the number one, but he also made it for himself. Leviticus 16 said that on the Day of Atonement, before you ever go in for others, this high priest had to go in and offer a sacrifice, well not go in, but make a sacrifice for himself. See, this whole deal about sacrifices, we, we make light of it. The high priest didn't. Jesus did not. But we do. Uh, preacher, what do you mean we do? How we treat it. H how we act about it. How we take the sacrifice for granted. How we belittle it. How we think, well, it's no big deal if I do this sin What's the big deal? Jesus has already forgiven him. Yeah, but do you understand the sacrifice that Jesus went through to offer you this forgiveness of sins? I believe we make light of it. So he had to make sure he offered it for others first. Then third, he had to be appointed by God. If you were to read Exodus 28, we're not going there, verse 1. It, the Lord sets apart Aaron and his children and those to be the Levitical priesthood for him throughout the years to come, the thousands of years to come. They had to be of that lineage there. You could not be priest and king. So there are some things about this that you could not do. Three times we read in Scripture where somebody tried to take the role of priest on their own and it ended very poorly. Number one, how about this? King Saul, you remember that? They're about to go to battle and Samuel said, Saul, I'll be there before you go into battle and I'll offer the sacrifices. Don't do anything till I get there. Went seven days and Saul begins to get worried. And so Saul himself tries to invade the priesthood to make a sacrifice for the nation. And about the time he does it, here comes old Samuel walking down the road. He knew he should not have done it, yet he thought he could go and just do it willy-nilly on his own. The kingdom was ripped from him and given to David. Then if we go on a little bit further, or we can back up a little bit, excuse me, we back up a little bit. Moses is ministering, and all of a sudden, this guy by the name of Korah stands up and says, you know what, Moses, it's not fair for you to think you are in charge of this priesthood deal. We want to be involved too. Me, i got 250 of my best buddies, man. We want to be in the priesthood too, and we're gonna, we think it's wrong for you to do it all by yourself. Moses falls down and says, Lord, I don't understand them. But then the Lord tells him, says, you just tell everybody to stand in front of their tent tomorrow. You stand in front of the tabernacle of meeting and I'll decide. And 251 people were swallowed up by the ground. I said by the grave, by the ground. You can find that in, in number 16. King Saul, the story about that is 1 Samuel 13. And then how about old King Uzziah? He was not a bad dude. He's a good guy. He went to go in and offer incense one time, which was the role of a priest. God struck him with leprosy. 
They were to be appointed by God, but they could not be king, and kings could not be priests. They had to do their role. You know, I, I believe some problem with the pulpits of America today, they're not appointed by God. We got some dudes that are mama called and papa sent. We got some that are pastoring that aren't even dudes. And I'm sorry, but as I read my Bible, the role of pastor is for a man. End of story. And then fourthly with this, he was, had to be sympathetic to those he ministered to. That's why he says it right here. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward since he himself is beset with weaknesses. Here's what I've learned. Here's one thing, truth about Hank Meadows. I hope to goodness I'm a better pastor today than I was when I first started. Notice I didn't say preacher. I said pastor. I hope I can minister to your needs. I can meet you so often where you're at. Because let's be honest, at first I couldn't. I, I said this morning, those that have lost loved ones, at some point I really felt like I was living this charmed life and I hadn't lost anybody that close to me outside of Lisa having that miscarriage. I hadn't lost anybody close so I could look at you and say, oh, I understand how you feel. I had no idea how you felt. But now, I can look at you and say this, I know right where you're at. I understand your sense of loss. I can hurt with you and I can, uh, I can um, have pain with you and I can say I've walked that same path. I've seen others, how they walk through it. And I begin to understanding who I am in different situations. I can say, I understand. I think years ago, I talked too much. Trying to help, but never really providing any comfort. Sometimes it is just the ministry of presence. And sometimes just the fact that you can say, I know how you hurt me. That's what the minister would do. He could understand the the, and I understand these. That's reason. Listen, some of you guys, you'll, 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 or, or, and you'll come and you'll say, Pastor, I, I hate to do this, but man, I am really struggling with this. I hope you don't think bad of me. Why in the world would I think bad of you when I have my own struggles? Hello? Why would I look down in any aspect? There is nothing you can tell me that you're struggling with that I could not say, I understand because I have similar struggles. Maybe not that exact one, but I have this. It's a struggle as well. Bob, you, you and Miss Pat, y'all remember Frank Riley. I love that man. He, he's a guy that he led me to the Lord. He was my pastor when I came there. I mean, I thought, Pastor Riley, I thought that dude walked on water. You know, I was a young guy, and I've said this before. This, he was like one of those guys, though, you're going, oh, when he walks in the room. <laughs> I didn't think I could talk to him. Literally, I thought I was so beneath him that I couldn't even talk to him because he's like, I'm like, I mean, literally, this was Hank's theology when I was a young guy. He was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Frank Riley.
He was just a dude called to the ministry. By the way, did a pretty good job from what I can remember. I am no different than you guys. I have flaws and I have faults, but here's the difference. I feel like and I know for doubt I was called to be a pastor. And that's just a picture of the great high priest. You guys, you know those pictures, man? You ever seen them? You get them on Facebook? Like you, the little kids take pictures when they're three or four and they're making all these silly faces and these silly. And then as adults, they take a picture again in the same way. You guys seen those things? I think they're hilarious. All right, part of it though, if I. I there's some pictures of me and my brother back in the day. Nah, we're not doing that as adults. Nope. Number one, he'd kill me. I hope he sees that. But that's what the priesthood was. It was this snapshot, okay, of the coming fruition of the priesthood. The adult priesthood, that was the finished priesthood. That's what, literally, that's what the priesthood in the Old Testament was, was a snapshot picture of the one coming, that's the great high priest, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ came, so I want to move now, when Jesus Christ came, when the, and notice Jesus was never called a priest when He walked the earth. But when He offered Himself up, once and for all, three things happened. They're not up there, Andrew, so it's okay, okay? Three things happened the moment He offered Himself up. Let me tell you real quickly. Number one, the need for the Levitical priesthood ended. Remember what I said about the, the Levitical priesthood and their main job was at the altar? There were no more sacrifices needed. And literally, remember, all the priesthood did when they were offering up these sacrifices, it was like they were standing on a rug and you would come and throw your sins on the floor in a sense and you would just sweep them under that mat and they're still there, you just don't see them, but they're not gone anyway. Anywhere. But when Jesus came, Jesus didn't just take them away and wipe them, under, put them under a rug. Jesus says, I've come to cleanse you from them. In other words, though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be made as white as snow. He says, though they are filled up, piled high, when I come, I'll take them all away. There's no more need for the Levitical priesthood. Number two, there was access to the Father. It says when, when he died, when he said to Telestai, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. And so that holy of holy place, that place that only the high priest one time a year could go in and then was not even sure that he could go in and make it out. That high priest could only go in one time. Now what Jesus was saying by his sacrifice was that anybody could come into the presence of the king. I'm telling you guys, I've said it before, I will pray for anybody. I love to pray for you guys. It is, it is a, a privilege at times for you to say, Pastor, I really want you to pray for me this. But here's my question. Why don't you first go into the presence of the King? Hello? You, you can enter. 
It's not just the role of pastor. It's not just the role of priest. Anybody now, I just preached last week or two weeks ago, let us come what? Boldly to the throne. You know, I got four grandkids now. And I love it. We talk a lot about it, don't we? About our grandkids. I'll send Delina a snapshot, a picture of me and mine, and she'll send me one back of her and her. Just, I love it. Here's one reason I love grandchildren. It reminds me of my kids. Y'all know little little Creed, little Henry Creed, man, that dude is being mobile now, and he can crawl as fast as I can walk. That dude can get going. But man, I'll be sitting in my chair, and I'll just be sitting like this, right? And home dude, he'll look at me, he'll catch my eye from somewhere, and I'm not being, I'm not being vain or anything like that, but I'm his favorite. I mean, just truth. Truth hurts. But it is true. He sees me, he's gonna, he'll come, and he'll get right to my chair, and then he'll pull himself up. And he'll look at me and lift up his arms. Y'all, I'm straight telling you, I'm no good <laughs> when he does that. I remember a little red-headed boy that used to do that. I remember the little brown-headed girl that used to do that. She never did it as much as the boy. Olivia will do it. She'll come running to me. Those are the great times. Oh my goodness, y'all, the other day. I went to their house. To, to Drew and Mal's house, and, and I walked in the front door, and she was in the back playing. And Drew yelled out, Paul Paul's here. Y'all. My girl went, eh, and came running. Y'all got, y'all know what I'm saying. The Father in heaven. Just so you don't think I'll just talk to you there for a minute about nothing. I believe gets more excited when we come to Him. I know how it feels when my kids, even now, when my two kids come to me or my grandkids. I believe the Father in heaven is more overjoyed when we come to Him. Oh, not just with our burdens, but how about sometimes with just a thank you. How about sometimes, God, I'm in your presence now. I'm not bringing anything that I'm looking for from your hand. I just want to say these words to you. Thank you. I love you. How about that? Because of the sacrifice. And then thirdly, I wrote it down. I said, he, can you read my writing? Accomplished at one time by one sacrifice for all time, more than millions of manly priesthood sacrifices. Washed your sins away. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. One time. But let's look down with understanding this sacrifice of Christ's priesthood. He was appointed by God the Father. Uh, go there to John chapter 8. Go to John chapter 8. And look at verse 54. John 8, 54. Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me. 
It is His Father that said. And then if we read right here in this point, you are my son, I have begotten you. And He says, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus never once said, I'm the high priest that's come. No, it was God the Father based on His perfect one-time sacrifice said, you are my son and you are a priest forever. That has a whole lot of ramifications. We're going to get to those in just one moment. So stay with me. But look, he talks about this priesthood and how he could be this priest. In the days of his flesh. In other words, when he walked among us, when he came in the likeness of man to do what he did, to die for our sins. In that time frame of his humanity, he lived the life that you and I lived. Do you ever thought about this? God the Father held nothing back for him to experience. Hello? He, he was not, Jesus was not exempted from anything. He went through everything, remember? He went through hunger. He was led out into the wilderness. He went, went through every temptation. Well, I just don't understand, man. I, I just don't see how Jesus was tempted like this. I promise you he was. When he's out in the wilderness and it was lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that's the same thing Eve was tempted with. Yet the Son of Man, Son of God, never gave in to temptation. And throughout his life, even on the cross, he could have called down 10,000 angels. Even in the garden, when he struggled the most, I wrote there, he chose to participate in our experiences. He learned, he grew. And he was obedient at every step. I said he had to follow the way God had already set forth to be that great high priest. He had to follow everything in the Old Testament. He had to follow the righteous requirements of the law. He had to follow the requirements of the priesthood. He did it all for you. Never forget that. He sympathized with in every way. Let's just walk through this real quick. He offered up prayers and supplications. Go to the garden with me. with loud cries and tears to Him who was able to save Him from death. Now, I, I read, I, I got, I'm not a Greek, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, a Greek scholar, none of that stuff. But as I've read everybody, a better translation of that word from is out of. He was praying for God to make sure, make sure He was brought out back out of death. In other words, resurrect. Go to, go to Luke 22. Perfect pull. Perfect turn. I did it again. Perfect. Turned right to it, y'all. That's just tremendous. I love it. It's the simple things in life, brother. One of y'all, I'm not going to say who, but I had somebody text me this week say they were doing something in their Bible. They were looking for a verse and had a perfect turn this week. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing off on y'all. Y'all getting to it now, man. Listen to this. In the guard, here's what he's saying. Father, this is verse 42. Luke 22, 42. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Here's the obedience. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he's talking about, God, listen, I don't want to go, but if this is the only way, make sure your will is done, which involves resurrecting me from the dead. How much of a struggle was he under? Read the next verse. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. There was one other time the angels ministered to him too. If you go all the way back to Matthew chapter 4 when he was there for 40 days, the Bible says that the angels came and ministered to him 
He struggled with anxiety just like you. He struggled so much, he was sweating blood. Don't tell me he doesn't understand. And here, here, oh, here, if you underline something, here it is. And he was heard. He was not allowed to see decay. He was not allowed to sit there in corruption. He was heard by God the Father who rose him from the dead on the third day, defeating death, hell, and the grave. He conquered it all. That word reverence, it means devout submission. Go to 2 Corinthians. Let me tell you what he was doing there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to, I mean, I came up with this today. I, I was using this, but then this morning it came to me that this is another way to read this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We, we know this. I've talked about this. Listen. For our sake. Now we'll read that sometime, and here's what we'll do. We'll go, for our sake. You know what you need to do? You need to circle that word, our and put an arrow to the side and write your name. You see, because what the enemy wants us to do at times is not think this is a personal thing. We want to make this a, a, just a universal thing so that everybody comes to heaven and everybody has their sins forgiven. That's not biblical truth. But we'll look at this like, well, God doesn't know me personally. God doesn't care personally. Yes, He does. Now, I've told you about John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And what did you say? Ah, oh, it's just the world. But I, I've encouraged you to say, for God so loved to put your name right there. For God so loved Kim. For God so loved Darlene. For, for God so loved Rachel. You, you put your name there to make it personal. Right here, I believe truly, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Listen, for our sake. For Leslie's sake. For Floyd's sake. You make it personal so that you begin to understand that personal connection between you and God because He loves you. I was talking to somebody this week. I know I've asked this person if it was okay. I'm not giving names, but they said it was okay. They're, they're struggling. And I said, This, what do you know? I mean, they're struggling. What do you know? What do you mean? I said, what do you know? What do you know to be truth about God? Well, I know this. And I know this. And I know this. And I know this. And I know this. I said, okay. You sure you know that? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Write it down and sign your name to it. Because you need to grab hold to these truths when you walk through this valley. See, when you're going through a valley, sometimes you have to be remembering that it was for our sake that He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, that in Him we might become the righteous of God. We need to be reminded of the truth that's now about us, that Jesus Christ loves me. That's right, sister. That is a great place for a yes. I love it that he loves Kim. But you want to know the truth? I'm so much more happier that he loves Hank. Kim is so much happier that he loves Kim. Let's not be pious here and so super spiritual. I want everybody to go to heaven. But you know what else I want before that? I want Hank to go to heaven. 
So some of you ought to put your name right there and say, listen, I'm thankful, Hank, that you're saved, but buddy, I'm so much more thankful (laughs) that he died for me. But be ready for the consequences of that. It makes it a personal relationship at that point. He gets, listen, he'll, he'll, he'll take you out to the deep waters if you're not careful. He'll take you out a little deeper. Next week, by the way, well, not next week, it's Mother's Day. (sighs) Thank the Lord for mothers. We'd not be here if it wasn't for them. I mean, that's just truth. But some, that's not a good thing, but sometimes, I mean, mean, how many times, how many Mother's Day sermon can you preach that you don't just start re-going back through them? I love you, mamas. Dad, the same way on Father's Day. I mean, come on. But in two weeks, I'm going to talk about going deeper. Because he talks about there at the end of chapter 5 that you're still on milk. Let me just get, can I give you a sneak preview? To be on milk means you've got to get it from somebody else. You're too much of a baby to meet with Jesus on your own. He wants you. He doesn't want you to stay a baby. I love, look, little Brody. I ain't talked about Brody in a sermon yet. Let me talk about Brody. Little Brody and little Sugar Kennedy. All right? They little babies. Man, I love them. They little babies. But I don't want them to stay that way. I put, my, I put money to mom and dad don't want them to stay that way. Can I get a witness? You want them to grow up. Jesus wants you to grow up in Him. To quit being a baby and just sitting there and say, just give me some more milk. Get on the meat and potatoes. Just throw this in. My grandson, Henry Greed, home dude loves some potatoes. That's his nickname at daycare, Tater. Look, lastly, let me give you the, the uniqueness. I'll just give you all a little bit of my history, my story too. Y'all know that. Here's the uniqueness. Two things he's really unique for, and then I'm done. Y'all know I brought a watch today, but I didn't put it on. Sitting in my office. Oh, well. Number one, he's a high priest forever. You could start with Aaron, and you could write, if you were to write another chapter about the Levitical priesthood, put it at the end of of Malachi, you would do just like, is it Genesis 5 or 6? Let me look. I, I should have looked earlier. That wasn't a perfect fool that time. Genesis chapter 5 is known in Scripture as the death chapter because it talks about it and Adam lived and then at this age he had kids and then he lived for 400 more years and then he died. And then Seth lived for this many years and then he had sons and daughters and then he lived this many more years, and then he died. That whole chapter, that's what you read. And he died. And he died. And he died. You know what you could write about the Aaronic and the Levitical priesthood? And he died. And he died. Every high priest died. Except one. Except one. Jesus the Christ. He will never die. So his priesthood is forever. All the others died. So that means if you read, if we're reading back here, 
and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation. Now, I don't know about you, but this is what old Hank Meadows' mind thinks like. If it's eternal salvation, how in the world can I lose it? They tell, listen, I firmly believe two things about it. I believe I cannot lose it here, and it'll never run out there. You're not going to be out there about a million years, and then all of a sudden, Lord say, Hank, you only got this certain amount of my blood, so out of the end of a million years, you've got to go to the other place. No, once you're there, you're there. It is eternal salvation because His blood washes clean. And it stays forever. I said one act, one offering, one sacrifice for all eternity. I'll deal with that in the coming days. And then secondly, he belongs to a different order. All the other priesthood were of the order of Aaron. They were a Levite priesthood. It says here, he was designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is, is mentioned twice in Scripture. We'll deal more, much more of that. He's mentioned in Genesis chapter 14 when Abraham paid him tithes. And then in Psalm 110 when it talks about that, he's quoted right up there in verse 6, that he's a priest forever in that order of Melchizedek. And we'll deal much more of that. But let me tell you what this really says. Jesus is the real and righteous high priest of everybody. So what does that mean for me and you? What does that mean for me and you? Here's what it means, and then I'm done. If we obey, we have eternal salvation. If we obey what? What does that mean, that saved up there? To all who obey Him. What does that mean, to all who obey Him? Does it mean you've got to obey Jesus to keep it? And Isn't that a work salvation? No, no, no. Shout out to you, Bruce. Romans chapter 1, verse 5. Look at what it says. Go there. Romans 1, 5. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about, here it is, the obedience of faith. Here's what he's saying. When you make that claim of salvation, you know what tells the truth about your salvation? Not whether you keep the works, but if you keep the faith. Do you keep the faith? That's the reason people come and go, Preacher, man, I... I, I I got, I got saved when I was 13 and, and I've sort of been walked away and, and, and I think I need to get resaved. Well, number one, if, that, if you say you got to get resaved, you never had it the first time. The question is, although you may have been in the far country, did you keep the faith even in the far country, knowing deep down whose you really belong to? Obedience to the faith. Translated, I have faith in God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Who are you obedient to? Yourself? The world? Or Jesus? When you are saved, how do you walk? See, obedience shows your walk, doesn't it? Do you walk according to these standards? Do you walk according to these standards? Or worldly standards? And by the way, if you want to know more about that, come tonight. I'm going to talk about having a biblical worldview as opposed to other worldviews. It's going to be good. I've already know, I already know what I'm going to say. It's going to be good. I want to encourage you to come back because too many of us, and I'm done, too many of us claim a faith in Jesus 
would have some different worldview other than a biblical worldview. And I don't believe it can be true. Both can't be true at the same time. Has there ever been a day when you've gone to the great high priest to accept his sacrifice for you? Thanks for listening to the Marian message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcba.com.